this was one of um, this is one of the chapters that was in the reading plan for the week, and it really jumped out at me thinking about hope. So I want to read it, and we'll come back to it a little bit later. Uh, chapter 2, starting in 28, and we'll read through the third verse of chapter 3, and then we'll pray. Just keep in mind we're talking about hope. Hope. And now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. It's a quick prayer. Uh, God, uh, your word is divine. Uh, your word brings life, truth, and power. And so we call upon your spirit to bring forth those things within our hearts and minds to transform our lives. We ask all this in, the, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the countdown to Christmas begins. I see some grimaces. Um, we were talking about it, I guess it was last night. I was like, man, December is here. Uh, we are exactly three weeks and six days from December 25th. Uh, and of course, at every, it seems as if the holiday buzz keeps getting earlier and earlier, especially at Walmart and places like that. Like seriously, um, it's getting it's earlier. Been that for years. Yeah, like Halloween's over and the Christmas stuff comes out. The shelves are, are they're definitely stocked. Uh, the TV commercials are in full force. Uh, you cannot not see an ad on the internet. And I, there's houses that's got lights up. Of course, we've had our we've had our tree up since November third. Um, you know, people are really getting into the Christmas spirit. That's quite an interesting phrase, um, Christmas spirit. Uh, but the thing I've been thinking about is: is the Christmas spirit we've become so familiar with? something that we as Christians should desire, right? Um, you've got Hallmark movies based on the idea of people getting into Christmas spirit. Uh, it's not very Christian either. Uh, all throughout this, this season, this month, 
there will be people across the world putting up Christmas decorations. Um, trees. Um, their decorations will say hope, joy, and peace. And they're going to sing songs about hope, joy, and peace. Um, but the reality is, is all across the world, the point will be missed. Um, those decorations and those songs, those gatherings will be useless for the glory of God. Remember what the angels sang when they came to the shepherds? It began with glory to God in the highest, right? That was their purpose. That's what they were singing for. That was the purpose of that night, the glory of God. And they said, for unto, un, uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Man, we could spend a whole month on that one sentence. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. People will celebrate the season, celebrate Christmas, but that that word Savior doesn't mean anything. If they don't have anything to be saved from. Um... And if they do acknowledge that Jesus is Savior, does their, does, their, does their celebration acknowledge it? Uh, they may sing about songs of Jesus and not understand what it means that he's the Christ, right? Like do, do we know what that means? That he's the Christ? That he's the chosen one? Anointed by God. He is the Messiah. They, they all even read of the birth story in, in Luke um, without any knowledge of the fact that the baby is God. The baby is God. But it's easy for us to poke at the unbelieving world, right? I mean... Of course they're not going to get it. Of course they're not going to understand. That's, that's obvious. And so my concern, and I don't want to say concern, but my, what, what my hope is this month as we consider Advent, as we celebrate it, is that we as believers don't look like the world this season. That we don't look like the world this season. Um, I want to spend a month I want to spend a month looking at the promises of God, not getting caught up in the things of the world. Um, I want December for you to be a month of hope, faith, joy, and peace in the promised fulfillment of Jesus Christ, not... Gifts, lights, decorations, family gatherings, so on and so forth, right? Um, it's so easy. So we're we're gonna we're gonna spend these this month doing that, and 
as I said, we'll look at hope, faith, joy, and peace. And so we have three options as Christians in this season. And one is you can get caught up in that and enjoy it. Get what you want, give what you want, eat what you want, see who you want, decorate how you want, and get lost in the shallow, temporary things of cultural Christmas. The second holiday, the second option is the word that I invented earlier, or no, yeah, um, to be a to be a bah humbug, just to protest it all together. Be like, that's not Christian, so we're not even going to do it. Right? December 25th isn't even in the Bible. The world makes it out to be something that it's not. So we're not even going to do it. Or option number three, and I think this is probably our best, but it's just my opinion. You can spend the next month giving glory to God in the highest, celebrating, remembering, and worshiping the birth of Christ. Jesus who took on flesh so that he might save his people from their sins. Um, And in turn... You can show the world that they're wrong. And you can even show some Christians that they're wrong in how they celebrate and what they do. And you can show them that Christmas spirit, what Christmas spirit looks like when it's guided by the Holy Spirit. Right? Now that that would be something. Christmas spirit guided by the Holy Spirit. So what's hope? That's our first, our first topic this month, hope. So here we go. Hope is confident expectation. Confident expectation. It's being absolutely positive about a future outcome. Hope is being positively sure absolutely confident that something in the future is going to happen. That's hope. Uh, It's biblical hope. See, we've changed. You and I, we use hope differently in our everyday language. And since it's December, let's give some examples. So we've heard a lot in our house the last few weeks. Um, This is what I want for Christmas. This is what I want for Christmas. This is what I want for Christmas. This is what I want in on and on and on. But then what will the siblings do? They'll go back later and talk to each other and say, I hope I get whatever. There is no surety that they're going to get it. But they use the word, I hope. They're in the darkness. They don't know. Their expectations are unsure. And what does it leave them to be but anxious? Because they don't know what the future holds. They hope they get that one present. Well, we adults do it too, right? I hope I get that job. I hope I don't lose my job. I hope I get the raise. I hope it rains. I hope I don't get sick. It goes on and on and on. The uncertainty of these things. And we are hoping that the outcome goes the way that we want it. Um, but biblical hope is confident. The thing that we look forward to is going to happen. We are sure about it. Uh, 
And how are we sure about them? Because the things that we are hoping for, the things we are expecting, are based on the promises of God. Now, that, we can use that phrase, promises of God, and it become very cliche. But here's what I mean. God said it, God will do it. And there is a treasure chest of God's promises for believers. And half of us aren't even opening the chest. And if we are, we might open it and say, mm, I'll take one today, hang on to it, maybe. Might actually take it out of context. God has a treasure of promises for his people. And they will happen. They will be fulfilled. It will come to pass. Thus says the Lord, right? So the difference between that hope that we were talking about, this worldly hope and a Christian hope, worldly hope is in the things that pass away. Just look around. It's all passing away. Day by day. You are passing away. Day by day. They're temporary. But Christian hope, Christian hope is in things that last. Eternal hope. Set your mind on things that are above, not things on the earth. So you, if your mind is on the things of the earth, you are hoping. Your hope is uncertain. But if you're setting your mind on the things that are above, eternal things, things that are in Christ, your hope is secure and sure. If you, if you think about it, the Bible is built on hope from Genesis to Revelation. The story of the Bible is driven by sure expectation. What did God tell, Gen God tell Adam and Eve in Genesis? Satan's head would be crushed by the seed of the woman. What did he tell Abraham? That the nations will be blessed through your seed. Expectation. Based on what God was promising. David was told that his seed would be a king in a kingdom that lasts forever. But then also the expectation that we see of a true king, a king better than David, a better high priest, a better good shepherd, a coming Messiah. The Bible and the story of the Bible is driven by our hope and expectation that God will deliver but it's really interesting that the first three that I mentioned, the hope of the seed of the, or the offspring of, of Eve, this, the offspring of Abraham, and the offspring of David. Jesus, this, we celebrate this time of the year, the birth of those offspring of that family. The offspring of David, the offspring of Eve, and the offspring of Abraham. We celebrate the fulfillment of that expectation 
in the Old Testament in Christmas. All of them in the Old Testament were looking for someone to be born, a person to be born. And that was Jesus of Nazareth in Bethlehem. As we read it in Luke earlier, we can also see it in Matthew. The angel says to Joseph and to Mary, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for what that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the promise fulfilled that we saw in Luke said this beautiful thing. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. We celebrate this season because God has given us a reason to continue to hope. You have a reason to expect God to do what he said he did because he's already done what he said he would do. Does that make sense? He promised one. He promised that one would be born. And for thousands of years, they waited for that. Thousands of years. And he did not skip on his word. He did not turn away from them. He kept his promise the hope of Israel, which was a hope held for thousands of years, was fulfilled when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Here's the reality. Our hope and the hope of the Old Testament saints, it's the same. It's the exact same. What is it, you ask? Deliverance. You need to be delivered from sin and destruction. You need to be redeemed Why? So that you might live in the presence of God now, in this life, and for eternity. Galatians says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might receive, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And through that, guys, that's joy and peace. That's eternal joy and peace. See, cultural, Christ, cultural Christmas is the opposite of hope. What you see on TV, what you get trapped up in, isn't actually hope, even though we decorated all of our walls. The world promises, presses, and emphasizes Christmas so that you might find joy. But what happens? You only find it for a little bit. When you go through the motions of Christmas like the rest of the world, you find satisfaction in what you can get right now. That's why, that's why we have Black Friday. 
That's why we have Cyber Monday. That's why Christmas trees are on sale. That's why you can buy one, get one light set of lights. See, some, some of us don't actually look forward to this time of the year as Christians. Like that's, we, don't even, we don't even like it. But why? Why do we get disgruntled when someone goes, it's almost December. Are you ready for Christmas? That was a conversation that I would have at the bank all the time. It was like just a way to start conversation. You ready for Christmas? No, blah, 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 I don't know about Christmas, blah, 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 blah. I know, so many gifts, all the money. It was like, what are we talking about? We're talking about things that pass away. Our focus is on the world. Jesus who? Like, come on. And that we all do it. We all do it. And when we do that, when our focus, when we get to December and our focus is on, on the material, the temporal, and we end the holiday season, we, we are physically, mentally, and financially drained, right? And we're like, I can't, I'm glad that's a year away. But what if, what if, what if we didn't have that mindset? What if we used this time of the season to continually and intentionally remind ourselves and each other of hope? Of our expectation of Christ, our Redeemer. And we participate in that we celebrate that. And, look, and this is what I, I want you to understand. I'm not saying don't put up Christmas lights. I'm not saying don't give presents. Don't put up a Christmas tree. I'm saying do it for the glory of the hope of Christ. And show your neighbor, your friend, your coworker that what you are celebrating is eternal. And you might take down your decorations, you might put away the tree, but that which it is reminding you of will go on for the rest of the year. So we can do this, we can do these two things. Number one, again, I already said this, we could just just be bad-tempered. I had to look up what bah humbug mean. I wasn't sure. Bad-tempered displeasure. Bad-tempered displeasure. By all means, be displeased with cultural Christmas and the world's Christmas. Hate it, please. We should. Uh, but show them, show them hope, joy, and peace by exalting and celebrating the birth of your Savior and the fulfillment of God's promise. Or the second, well, I'm sorry, I, I, I said this. If we're, if we're uh, continually and intentionally reminding ourselves of the hope of Christ, we will avoid these two things, the bah humbug, but also the post-holiday crash, right? Um, because if we're focused for a month on on Christ, 
His hope, the faithfulness of God's promises. We should be renewed. We should be motivated. Um, to take on another year for the glory of Christ. So what, what, can, what can we do? We can use this season, Advent season, as a season of preparation. Because let me give you uh, some bad, kind of bad news. Where there is hope, there's waiting. Because we're expecting something to happen in the future. Like I said, they waited thousands of years in the Old Testament. They waited. We can use December, we can use Advent as a time to prepare us for potentially, Lord willing, another year of waiting on His return. Because He is coming back. It's a confident expectation we have of knowing His return. And as Christians, our waiting is not easy. Uh, because we're waiting in two words that are difficult. Patience and purity. As we hope and we wait, we're waiting in patience and purity. Two things that don't come natural to me. I don't know about you. Um, so we take this season... We take Advent, we take Christmas to help prepare us for another season of patience and purity. Filling up our, imagine it being a, your barn, right? And, and, and fall is coming and you're wanting to get as much hay in the barn as possible because you know you're going to need it throughout the winter. This is our preparation for that season. We get to spend, we can spend a month of, of taking in and feasting on and storing up the promises of God in Christ Jesus. And think about nothing else. And everywhere we look, we can be reminded of it. Oh, the house is lit up. Glory be to God in the highest. Oh, the, the Walmart line is so long because of everybody shopping for the holidays. The gift of Christ is great. Right? We can just see all the things of the holiday season because it's all around us and put that in our storehouse of remembering that God said it and He has done it and He will do it again. And so when, the next, when we get to February and your New Year's resolutions have worn off, you can go back to that storehouse and you can remember the faithfulness of God and be a little bit more patient, Lord willing. And when I say purity, what do I mean? Well, I mean what John said in 1 John chapter 3. Because he speaks of this patient waiting in purity. No, 1 John 3, 1. Now notice, this, notice that we're waiting on something. 
Chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is So here's the patience and purity. And everyone in verse 3 who thus hopes in him, hopes, there it is, hopes, waits, expects his return. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. What does that mean? It means as you wait, As you wait on Christ, you want to be ready. And you know what keeps you from readiness? Yourself, your sin, your passions and desires, your selfishness, your pride. But be ready. And John is telling us to be ready is to purify ourselves from those sins. And lastly, let's flip to Romans 8. I'm going to read this with little commentary. It pretty much speaks for itself. Romans 8, verse 18. If you read uh, the first part of chapter 8, you're going to see a lot of things that... If you want to know if you're truly a Christian, read Romans 8, verses 1 through 17. Seriously. It'll, It'll tell you. It'll tell you who you should be or what you should desire, how you should walk, who, how you should love the Father. But there's something in verse 17 it says that we also will know about us if we're, if we're true Christians. And if children, children of God, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That's something we are awaiting and, and, and cannot, uh, cannot wait. We just can't wait. We, we can't wait. But here's where it comes in, Mike. Provided we suffer with Him. Provided that we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. If you have, if you have a choice between good and evil, godly and selfish passions, to take the godly or the good will you'll suffer look what verse 18 says i'm just going to read the next few verses and 
and think about hope, waiting, patience, and the promise of God as we read through this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Even the creation has hope. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Right? In a confident expectation that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to the corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. You want to know what patiently waiting for the hope is? It's like childbirth. It hurts. Y'all tell me. It hurts. But in the end, the glory that you get is far greater than the sufferings in the present time. So is everybody else doing what they want to do in this world? You can ball humbug that. As you, as you remember and understand that everything that you can have or take or get or gain in this world is worthless compared to that which we will have and gain for eternity. Verse 23, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have been the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Verse 24, it's good. For in this we hope, we expect, we are confident in. We hope, for in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, We wait for it with patience. We wait for it with patience. I'll tell you this. You try to do that on your own, not going to happen. You try to keep your eyes on eternal things and not look at the world and get caught up in that and you don't open this Bible, you're going to fail every time. Just just being here, just calling yourself this or that, if you are not, if you are not a child of God, with the Spirit of God, you have no hope. You have no you have nothing to expect and to look forward to.
Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, magnify the hope we have in Christ. Remind us that you are a God who keeps your word. You are a God of promise. God, overtake our hearts. Test us that the dross may be removed from our, ourselves, that we might be purified. God, help us to overcome temptation, to not, be, to not be pulled to what we desire within our flesh, but deliver us from evil. God, keep our hearts looking towards Christ this season. And may he be exalted in our homes this month and in every month to follow. In the name of Jesus, amen.